Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 40 for Tuesday, November 24th, 2015. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, just finished with band rehearsal. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Las Gatas, California, just walked off a plane. Paul Kent. Wow. <laughs> Look <laughs> those, at us. Those are two crazy things to deal with. Um, and my guess is our musician friends who listen understand this. Uh, the non-musician friends probably at least understand the getting off a plane thing. So that's good. There's, there's <laughs> some, you know, there's some of that. How long did you rehearse for? I literally finished rehearsing for three hours, less than 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, Are you I, hungry? I, um, no, I will be by the time we, I like calm down. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the drums is a very physical thing. And for whatever reason, tonight's rehearsal was very, um, very sweaty. In fact. And I mean, we rehearsed in the same room that I'm in, you know, I'm, my drum stool is five feet from my, uh, from my podcast chair. Uh, but I opened the door for eight minutes, so that was a good thing. It cooled things off because it's, you know, twenty eight degrees outside or something. Oh, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this is a this is a very helpful thing. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. And was this a, a special rehearsal? Anything special going on, or just a regularly scheduled? We got to brush some stuff up. It was a regularly scheduled fling rehearsal. Um, it wound up being quite special. In fact, uh, we we worked on some tunes that we've played before. Uh, we wound up working on more than a handful of originals that uh, nothing new, but but tunes that we've had and, uh, and have been playing for a while. And there were some things we just actually, you know, um, of course last week we had Mark Linsenmeyer on, but the, uh, the Saturday prior to that, we did one of our fling fests, which is these gigs that we kind of organize ourselves and, and do. And we always, we actually raised a ton of money. We raised almost a thousand bucks for, uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, for a charity. Well, it was for a, actually a, a local sports, a youth sports organization. But Good for uh, you guys. Yeah, we found that, you know, I mean, we can walk out of there with some cash and that's great. But it's better if we walk out with, you know, feeling good about getting some money for, for uh, you know, for something good. And uh, and that's what this one was. But but we played and like that was the gig where I said, you know, I kind of mentioned in our chat last week that we had, you know, people requesting originals and, and they got really good responses. So we... There were, but there were some moments that we needed to polish up, and we did. And uh, it, it, like I said, it just wound up being a great rehearsal. So that's cool. New, yeah. Any new material gone over? I'm trying to think. Yeah, we did. We wound up playing. Um, I got to look at my notes here, and I take notes. And this is here's a you know. So I'll apologize, folks. You're catching certainly me and, and probably Paul in a very you know hyper creative manic flow state. Yeah, exactly. By the end of this show, it might be over, but, uh, but at the moment, you, you know, this is as ADD as you'll ever hear me on this show. Um, we played two tunes tonight that we've never played before cover tunes, the middle, uh, which is that, sure. uh, uh, Jimmy eat world song, right? Yeah. And uh stepping stone, you know, from the, from, uh, why can't I think of who sang stepping stone? Uh, the monkeys. Sure. They covered it, but they didn't write it, did they? 
They might have. Well, I don't think they didn't write anything, but um, that's that's who made it famous, right? That's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they um, so we played both of those and they actually went pretty well. Um, Mike, our guitar, our lead guitar player, and I have both played the middle in different bands. So when he started playing it tonight, it was like, hey, wait a minute. I know that tune, you know, and so we just played it. And it was like, yeah, this one should probably be in the set list. It's a fun little tune. It's, you know, catchy and easy and all of that. So how many songs in the middle? That's still at least a 20 year old song, right? God, it really is. I think of that as a new tune. <laughs> well, and that's actually my question. Is that your newest tune? Um, no, we play. Well, I, don't, I mean, I wouldn't think so, but it might be. No, I don't think so. We play Lonely Boy. By the uh, uh, the Black Keys, if that's, okay, right. So I think yeah. that's I think that's quite a bit newer. In fact, yeah. Cool. And we play um, a Raconteurs tune, which probably came out of oh no, it probably came out more recently than that. Um, oh, what's the name of the tune? Um, I can't think of the name of the Raconteurs tune. <laughs> God. Like I said, you're getting me in this weird state. So, um, what is the name of that tune? I know it too. Now you've got me freezing on it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think that one's newer than, uh, the middle, I've just looked it up in the middle of Ste- 2001. Okay. So steady as she goes is the raconteurs tune. And that came yeah. from uh, 2006. Got it. So, yeah. Yeah. We're not opposed to playing stuff that's quote unquote new. I mean, remember, the Raconteurs is almost 10 years old now. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to tell you, we're preparing to start going through new material and the discussions are, you know, for the way that we do it is I say, all right, guys, we're getting ready. January to May is when we add new material. So let's start talking about it. And so ideas start floating and pros and cons and, you know, a little bit of negotiation goes on and then guys kind of get down because we only have so much time. So each guy that's going to submit stuff, you know, in our process, uh, you know, kind of tests out the waters to see how everybody's going to feel about stuff, gets a little feedback and, you know, decides if it's worth kind of going to bat for that type of thing. But I got to say, especially after the last couple of gigs. So we, we do these, this club that I talk about that our band plays, we play, we play seven thirty to ten fifteen, and then a DJ comes in, and plays 10.30 until 1.30. And the club audience, you know, morphs over the course of time. And it's really fun for me in that last part of our set, you know, the 9.45 to 10.15-ish time, when I know that a lot of the people are coming, you know, for the DJ. Yeah. They're coming then. And that's when I've been pulling out, you know, we have two Bruno Mars songs. We have a Jesse J song and, you know, just to see if we can go over with that audience and we always do. And and I got to say, my head is really about newer stuff now, like trying to find newer stuff. And we just not only like stuff that we just crush on, like the Bruno stuff is goes over great. But um, we took the song by this artist named Jesse J, you know, a girl in her 20s who had this hit song and uh, we kind of made it our own. But, you know, people really know the song. It's called Domino. And a little bit of it is the kind of novelty of, you know, these guys, you know, singing a Jesse J song, but you know, we wrote a totally original horn chart for it and we rock it pretty hard and, and it goes over great. I am thinking now, as I'm listening to you talk about rehearsal, cause we're getting ready to start rehearsing real soon. 
I, you know, there's, I just want to get more new stuff. There's, there's an, we have, we have 150 classic rock songs and, right. you know, 50 funk songs. And, you know, we, we've got a big repertoire now and in, in moving forward, moving forward. And you're, you're uh, one of the few bands that has more songs on your repertoire than fling does. I think, <laughs> well, I mean, we hit triple 17 digits. years though, right? Yeah, but right. But that's it. Right. Is we've fling is I think nine years now. And, but the first couple of years we weren't playing out. So all we were doing was like, you know, writing songs and learning songs and learning sure. songs. And, and so we hit 80 before our first gig. <laughs> because we weren't planning on gigging, you know, if it was, if we were planning on gigging, we would have hit 30 and that would have been it, right. you know? Right. But, uh, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just thinking about these, these new songs, not only, not only the like interesting alt Rocky type things. Cause those are, those are going to be hit and miss for a lot of the places where we're going to play, but really stuff that's going to get people excited. Good dance tunes. I mean, this uptown funk is still people yeah. lose their mind when you play uptown funk and, Again, we wrote this really nice horn chart for it, and and uh, and it, it goes really well. I was thinking I, about you. I have not. I had not heard it. In fact, now I have. So anybody that uh, that's on Facebook, well, I'll, I'll make sure we share it from our 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 own you know GigGab Facebook page. But a video of the show you guys did over the summer that you talked about that the one you put on with the town oh, yeah. and all that that's out there. So everybody should go check this out. And and Uptown Funk is on it. But it's the last song. Yep. Uh, and so you should check that out. But we played that on on our Halloween at our Halloween gig with Chafed, not with Fling. And it was the tune that I think I talked about it, that we learned it. We all learned it in the car. We had never yeah. none of us had ever played it alone or with each other before. But it worked great. But as we were playing it, I was thinking, I know Paul's band does this. <laughs> and there's got to be a killer horn chart for it. And of course, we didn't have horns, so it didn't matter. But in my head, I'm kind of playing along with whatever that horn chart might have been. It was, it was great. So, yeah. <laughs> Did you watch the video of us? I watched a lot of it. I have not watched all of it, but but I watched a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing. I, I actually should talk about that a little. So the deal is this. We um, we got a deal with the local cable access TV station. and um, they sent out four, five cameramen. One was a fixed camera, you know, a couple hundred yards back. And then four basically handhelds that kind of wandered around uh, with the intent of, of doing this show. Not a lot of planning about sound, though. So I was really, really Ooh. concerned about sound. And because there was no board mix that they got to work from. And the sound that people actually hear on that is a summed of the various cameras and it's that's well, tough for musicians. To do. Well, it's, it's tough to do for musicians. It's, it's a challenge. You know, you're going to, I would imagine a musician would hear it and go, well, why'd they do it that way? Um, but all the pros and cons of all the trade-offs that we made and, you know, where this is, how this is going to be used. And, and it, it got to the place where from a sound perspective, it's usable. Sure. Again, it's not, it's not board, mix you know type of thing we couldn't remix anything so solos aren't pushed and that type of thing but you know in a way if you watch this you kind of get a representation of what it was like to be in the audience during the show that's kind of what it sounds like i don't know you saw some of it did were you like why'd they do it that way uh, you know i watched it on my well combined on my phone and my ipad right so i didn't i didn't watch it on my tv with a big sound system or anything and it, it you know what I, until you brought up the fact that it didn't come from a board mix. I never would have even asked about it. 
It sounded no, fine. That's good. Good. Yeah, but I mean, I get it, right? I mean, I, I, I've, I've done those things too, and you're like, wow, I want it to sound full and good on these, you know, on my 5.1 sound system in my living room. Like, yeah, but most people are going to do what I did and watch on their phone. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's you know, true. so yeah. And I think you know we were pretty happy with the performance was solid, and um, the set list was a good set list for us. I, the thing that that thing does is it kind of gives a really good representation of what a fun event it was and how much fun the people who attended it had. And that's what we were really, really happy about. So it shows interestingly that. enough, yeah. well, I, and I think it does. And, but interestingly, so again, th- this all kind of came together late, kind of a quasi volunteer camera crew group. <laughs> so you'll notice like about a third of the way through that shots of the band will show the night getting darker, but shots of the audience, it's still pretty low light out. That's right. So there's a couple of, so yeah. they basically took B-roll from all the songs that I didn't include. So I think there's 14 or 15 of our songs. We played about 30 songs that night. Well, I remember you, so, you told us here on the show that you had a rough vocal night. And so yeah. there are there are not as many Paul vocal moments as you would normally see at a house rocker show. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So And I knew so that I going in. And of course, therefore, I listened for it. And it was like, oh, yep, I hear what he's talking about. But you know what? People were having fun. And people were having fun. And that's yeah. actually my friend, Scott, who, um, who produced the show, who produced yeah. the uh, film. Um, you know, he, he was pretty reassuring. He said, you know what? People had a good time and it's, it's solid enough. And so he kind of talked me off the ledge about that, which yeah. I appreciated. Yeah. 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 And you shouldn't worry about it. I mean, again, even being like, you know, the, the, the maniac musician listening and, you know, harmonies are like my thing. And if somebody's out of tune, I'd freak out and all of that stuff. It was fine. Paul, you guys sounded great. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, practice. So we've been talking uh, around practice and about practice. You just got off of practice and I'm getting ready to practice again. We actually are going to be. My pulse isn't even down yet. I just noticed. I'm like, like, I'm having trouble holding my breath and I pod. What do you usually do after practice? What do you do to come back down to earth? Like you go eat something, you go. I go hang out with my family. Um, there by the, when I come home from practice, especially tonight, cause my, my kids are off from school until Monday now, cause they're still in, in uh, grade school. My, my son's in middle school, my daughter's in high school. Yeah. Uh, so they're, but they're up because they're not going to, they don't have to be up early in the morning. My daughter does for a driving lesson, but otherwise, you know, they're, but they're still up. So they would be like watching TV and like totally chilled. And I blast into the house like this, you know, and, but, and, and I walk into the living room and I'm like Kramer, you know, at that point, <laughs> I, I'm sure that's how they see me when I come in. It's just like, they're in the middle of watching some show and they're like, you know, not asleep, but in chill out mode. Cause it's like nine 30, 10 o'clock at night, whatever. And, uh, and I walk in and I'm hyper and I have stories to tell them. And it's like, how was your day? Cause I probably haven't seen him much. And, uh, and then I realize as I'm talking to him, wow, we're on a different plane here. But actually, I remember you and I, you know, like we would often walk or drive back from Macro Lostra band rehearsals yeah. together. And it does. It takes you, I think, longer than most people to come down from rehearsal. Yeah, I'm a hyper guy. That, anyway, my my neutral. It, so <laughs> for people who don't know me, caffeine and I rarely get along. Um, I I do not need it. It's my family tells me I'm not allowed. Um now, sometimes I use it, but, but, but I, I mean, I, there's the term, right? I use it. It's, it's, it's a, it, I, it's not something I just do. I use it as a tool or sometimes as a, as a drug, but uh, you know, it's, it, it limits my tolerance for human beings. 
And that's not a good thing. So it's fine if I'm alone, but, but yeah, I'm a hyper guy. So I usually, after I like talk to them and realize, whoa, I got to go like, just be Dave for a little while. I go and like make food or whatever, whatever it is I'm going to do. And then I'll kind of come into the living room with them and chill and, and hang. So tonight tonight was a, was a good rehearsal, a great, like a one to 10. How good was this rehearsal? Oh, it was a 10. Oh, that's awesome. One of the best we've ever had. Yeah. All right. So let's flip it around. Think about the last time you had a disappointing, frustrating, or even worse, contentious rehearsal. Yeah. What do you do after those? Uh, Well, really the same thing. But my conversation with my family when I walk into the room is those frigging guys, you know, (laughs) whatever I need to say to just get it off my chest. But, you know, it's been a long time since I've had a contentious rehearsal. Um, I mean, we've, I've had not great rehearsals for sure, but you know, even tonight I was thinking about it. We were, we were playing a tune. It was one of Russ's originals and Russ has, I guess, technically been on this show, but you've never heard him speak before. He's been right. here when we were sitting in the background. Yeah. That's right. Um, but he, um, and he was one, he was one of the first listeners before any of you, because we, we gave it to some friends of ours before anybody else. But anyway, so R- Russ knows the show, but he, um, it was one of his originals. It's a great tune when it, and we're going to do some recording. In fact, we decided that uh, we've got two more fling fest planned one in March and one in June. And we're targeting the one in June to be a call it a CD release show. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to do some recording between now and then. And this is one of the tunes that we're going to record and, and hopefully we'll have it in releasable format. We'll play it on the show uh, when it, whenever, whenever it's done. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we were working on this tune and, and Russ does not fancy himself a singer. He's not a fantastic singer. None of us, frankly, are, are fantastic singers. But, you know, he's, he's very self-conscious about it. He wants to make sure it's, it's right. And, and there was a moment where he said, so here's the, you know, I was, I was nitpicking harmonies in a different part of the tune. And he's like, well, what about this part? And I was like, well, no, that, that's fine. Like, that's just you and me. And, and we're locked in. He's like, yeah, but my notes are okay. And I said, yeah. And then as we were playing, I thought, you know, I don't have problems with like anybody in this band. And especially in terms of singing, it's like everybody just sings in tune. And then I thought, wow, how lucky am I that I don't hate the way anybody <laughs> sings in this band? And, and I mean, I, I know that sounds uh, preposterous. But you wouldn't stay in a band that if, if it drove, that drove you crazy, though. That you, I can't imagine you sitting there knowing that you're not going to be able to affect that and staying with a group that, that didn't satisfy well, I would just, what you I would there. just leave. Yeah. yeah. And I have. Yeah. 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 But that, but that was the thing. It was like, wait a minute, you know, I'm still with this group, you know, whatever, nine years later. Sure. And, and we all sing and there's moments where there's five of us singing and it's like, it's amazing. It's really good. We had a, we, we played a gig for, uh, for UNH. We played one of their uh, football tailgates uh, on, on Halloween day. And it was a little cold out, but it was fine. The first tune we played was no matter what. By uh, the uh, by Badfinger. Right. Yeah. And we had tuned up the monitors or whatever, and we tuned everything up. We were doing our own sound. It was fine. And we hit that first, you know, pre-chorus and knocked down that old gray wall. Yeah. And which is a stretch for vocally for everybody. And it was like, I mean, it was this lush, thick harmony on stage. We all just looked at each other like, Wow. That's amazing. First song out and it's 11 o'clock in the morning and we're really cold. It was, you know, it was just one of those moments. It didn't matter if anybody else cared. We cared. (laughs) 
That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, I, I consider myself lucky. I, Fling is not a band. I, th- th- listen, I'm a hyper person. I, um, I am not an overly tolerant person, despite what you say very kindly about me, Paul. Um, <laughs> there are things with that I could pick apart with anyone that I've ever played music with that drive me crazy. But I just, for the most part, I've learned to just back off. And and it's better that way. That's funny. I go after the things that are important. Yeah. Yeah. So so that when I have a contentious rehearsal, it really throws me. I mean, it takes me. So I, I rehearse uh, at the keyboard player's house about 20 minutes from here. And uh, and that drive home is crucial for whether I'm going to sleep that night or not. Wow. So, you know, coming to, yeah, when, so it, my list of things in rehearsal that are, that are challenging to me, uh, maybe tied to this deep, you know, you, you and caffeine, me, my thing is I have this deep sense of fairness, right? And what I don't like is um, if, if people, are disrespectful to their bandmates time. So if you don't yeah. come prepared and I've said, you know, we're going to do this. And when people aren't prepared um, and the other people have put in the time, the first feeling that I get is how freaking unfair is that? How, how disrespectful is that? And that's the thing that flares me up the most. And actually I'm, I'm uh, probably a, a jerk in rehearsal to everybody after that, regardless of who might not have been prepared yep. just because my dander is up and, you know, my temper gets a little bit quicker and, you know, I'm a little bit more sharper in my tone and, you know, a little bit, and, and, you know, I'm probably definitely not as effective during rehearsal. So that's my hot button is respect the other people in your group and do your homework. If you're asked to do something, if, and you know what, if I say we're going to work on this, this, and this, and guys in my group will do this. You know, I've got a really bad week ahead of me. I'm not going to be able to get to that. That's totally fine for me, right? It's not that I expect, but if I don't hear from you. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, I, that you means expect it. Ta- yeah. No, no response is tacit approval, approval right? Yeah, of <laughs> yeah. course. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm actually the same way, but fling rehearsals, we've, we've found, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, now I'm I'm like I'm dissecting this thing that's happened organically, but we when we when we rehearse, rarely is there anything on the list to work on, and we all know what we need to work on, and and we all have different priorities there, and that's fine, but um, but we found a way. I mean, we when we start, we just play a couple of tunes and kind of ease into it, and then it's. All right, let's work on something either new or something challenging that that's relatively new and that kind of thing. But never, never is there that moment of we were supposed to work on this. Um, and and I mean we you know we have less of a of a schedule than you guys, I guess. So it, it's not as much of a deal. But I played in in Group Syndicate for years, which is a band with with horn players. Similar to what you did. In fact, we shared some some charts back and forth, and uh, and those rehearsals were very very structured. You know, when when we when we get together for a fling rehearsal, when we schedule it, there's nothing. Rarely is there anything on the list. How interesting. Yeah, but we get a lot done most of the time. Well, again, because I'm all this trying to be respectful of everybody's time. So if I've asked the guy who writes our charts, 
to prepare a chart, he's put in a lot of time mm. to write a horn chart for something. Right. So I'm not exactly. Gonna, yeah. You can't so ignore that. So that's something. So, so I'm actually pretty structured for the little bit of time we have and the amount of stuff we want to get through, especially this whole rigmarole of, of new material. But there is always kind of the, um, so Steve, my bass player, he's the best, uh, at keeping mental notes during a gig of stuff we really got to iron out. And so I'll ask him what he got and he'll send me a list and, you know, then we'll, and usually that it's incredibly effective because if you know what you got to attack, oh, yeah. to lift is, oh, in that song, this and this song, that, you know, we blast through this stuff and, you know, then it's nailed down and, and it's cleaned out. Nick who arranges the harmonies, he's always, you know, listening for what's the stuff that we have to continue to work on. I didn't and, realize uh, Nick was your harmony guy. Oh yeah. He, he does all of the harmony. In my band, Nick, Nick does the, does the vocal harmony. That's his, you know, the unique thing that he brings and yeah. arranges. John, my baritone sax player writes the horn charts. Most of them. Yeah, sure. Of, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Strom, my bass player. He um, is, like I said, he's kind of like, he's, he's the um, observer of bad things, but he's also very, very skilled and very, very um, knowledgeable musician. He's kind of the referee when we're having a musical difference of stuff. He's kind of the, the guy who kind of smooths over or opens the path. And also, you know, he's really um, uh, valuable because the guys in the band, mostly me and, and Joe, who are not, um, I guess I'll say classically trained, like we don't read and we don't, you know, know a lot of enough theory. He's the one who kind of decipher musical concepts into layman's terms that help us get through certain things whether it's odd times and how to think about odd times, you know, like you guys talk about, you know, triplet this and, you know, like you guys train musicians have a language that is yes. very clear to each other. What you're trying to, if you don't have all of that, you know, I, I have 20% of what I should have. Joe, sure. you know, Joe may, might have a little more than me, but if you don't have that, whereas trained musicians can solve problems musically, you know, very quickly, Yes. You know, well, you can communicate solutions very quickly is That's what it, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, it's because uh, of that, so that language. Yeah. And that if there's something that frustrates, frustrates me in fling, it's, it's that, but it's only because our bass player also is a classically trained musician. If he weren't huh? there, it would probably frustrate me less because there'd be no one with whom I could communicate that way. There you go. And it would just happen other ways, you know? Yeah. But it's it's so much easier, and I watch these guys communicate to each other. So when you know John, who writes charts for me, wants to communicate what he did in a chart to Steve, and then goes through the Steve filter, and then you know kind of you know filters down to uh, it, the rest of us. So you know it, it works for us that process and having that blend of communication. And uh, you know, I once upon a time I had a I had a horn player in the in the band when I first started. Um, it was it, quick story. Um, I was referred to him. And he said that he had a full horn section. And so he was kind of my contact and he would do all communication with the horns. He was a total jerk. I mean, he was, he would mess with, with guys in the band um, on uh, kind of technicalities or specific issues of music theory and that type of stuff. And, you know, he, he liked to kind of like make it a contentious thing all the time. Finally, one of the best days in the history of the band was when I cut that guy loose. I got to tell you, there was no end of stress because there was no teamwork coming out of this guy. And the guy's like a PhD electrical engineer and, you know, he's a really smart guy, but, but a, not a good band guy, you know, yep. not, not a good bandmate in any way, shape or yeah. form. 
I could be that guy. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, seriously. Right. I mean, I, I you know, I, if I just let all of my instincts and all of my idiosyncrasies get in the way of just making music with other people, it would be that. And I, and then I wouldn't I be. I, I have played with you a long time. And I, you know, like when we, in the, in the, in the Macworld All-Star band, you were a very, very, very effective problem solver. I mean, when we had, you know, some guys who don't even play in bands with us, I could tell when it would be a little frustrating and then you'd like to kind of, but you, uh, it's funny that you say this. Cause I wonder if you see yourself, I wonder if your self-awareness has a different filter because you and I know each other pretty darn long yeah. time. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've seen you at four, right. I've seen you, I've actually seen you in business, you know, tense moments and I've seen you go through a band that had a, a full mix. And uh, I don't know. I, I would say as your friend, I would say you have a much more loyal to musicians instinct than you give yourself credit for. Well, and everything else kind of goes by the wayside and that you just want to get people, you want the people you play music with to enjoy the experience as much as you do. It's not a competition with you. It's a team sport. That's true. Loyalty. <laughs> it, it, loyalty is my fault. And, and that's, I mean, well, I mean, it's not really a fault, but, but it, it, in business and in music, I, I do prioritize loyalty over anything else. And, and it's because what I really prioritize is those moments where you've been working with somebody for a long time and you're in a pressure situation. So in music, that's a gig, right? And something happens and you get that look together like, whoa, we just solved a problem together without talking about it or, you know, whatever it is, we got, we just got through this potential disaster and it's all cool. And, and, and loyalty, really, it's time and therefore loyalty is the only way to get that to happen. So, I don't know. I agree. I, yeah. I just think you don't give yourself enough credit when you say that you could be that guy. I could. Well, having, no, I having, could having be. played with that guy, have, having seen the guy who is that guy, yeah. you're, a couple of, you're, you're a couple of miles from that guy in terms of intention and in terms of, you know, it was more important for that guy to look good in front of the other horn players than it was to make the band work. And I, you know, I don't ever see you, no, you know, it, that's, not worrying about the health of the whole group. That sometimes happens to me in business, but it, it you're probably right. It doesn't happen in music. That's right. I don't need to Back be right. Out. Yeah. So yeah. the other part of the last thing about our rehearsals is, is then I, our rehearsals, I will always go around and ask everybody, do you have anything that you've been wanting to work on, that you've been wanting to fix, that you've been wanting to improve. And so that's, that's the only off the cuff thing. And whether the guys know that they can prepare that, usually they don't, it's not like they have a list that kind of have to go through a mental checklist of stuff that's been bugging them or, or, you know, that they see an opportunity to, to make better. Well, now, so now the, they know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if they listen to yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Now they know. Yeah. So, you know, that's it. That's kind of the, the, you know, new stuff, respect everybody's time. Um, the check, the formal checklist of stuff that we got to get through and the informal checklist of stuff. And we, um, always now spend a lot more time on vocals. So we're, we're doing at least a half hour, uh, solving vocal things almost every rehearsal now. So we start with just the rhythm section and even Joe sometimes doesn't have to come to, to those if he's not singing yeah. the drummer and, uh, and we, we spend a lot of time and it's, it's cool. We got a lot of stuff done. I mean, this year I want to turn over, I don't know, 50% of our show. And the, the interesting thing, so I'd, I'd be curious in your band if it's the same thing. 
you know, you go into what we, we kind of see things in terms of seasons because we play so much in the summer. Sure. So, so, you know, in the preparation for each season and wanting to give people who come see us a new show every year and, and also keep us engaged and, and focused, you know, I, I would like to turn over. I, if I had my druthers, I'd, I'd have a completely new show every year, but you have these songs that just work and work and work and work. Yeah, and yeah. They become kind of fan favorites and you it's, can't, it's just, hard to walk away from those. It's very, very hard. They're old friends. They've they served are. you well. Well, that's the thing They've is done. you can, I, I mean, I've done it where I've built a set list without any of those tunes. And before the night is over, we've played there. all of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, uh, this isn't working. Go, go, go back to what we know, you know, what's comfortable. Yep. There we are. Yep. I actually do like that feeling where you know you're about to play some new music. You don't know how it's going to go over. It's that's, that's very interesting to me. So it, like you, you're looking for that nonverbal communication between musicians. I'm looking for that nonverbal communication between the audience and the band. Yeah. when we Play new material. And we played some interesting stuff last year. And some of it went great. And some of it, some of it, it took, three or four months of playing before there was a clear message about whether it was a good tune for us or not. Yep. There were like indications that people dug it like, Oh, and then, you know, there were other times when, you know, stuff just, you know, people were like, I don't know this song, you know, and as we're going into this year, my head is a little bit more towards people just love stuff that they know. And this is the conversation we've had in many forms over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, there's so many great, great, great songs out there. The trick is finding the ones that the, for a cover band, the trick is, I mean, my, maybe I'll refine it. One more filter. Yeah. Our, our, our trick to success is finding the really cool songs that we can add a horn part to and, and make it different, make it sound like us. Yep. That people will love that fits our band and our style and our tone and our, approach well that that's it i mean it that it, you, by applying all those filters you actually made it generic right it, it <laughs> well seriously right it, it's you know finding those tunes that fit your band and your style and your approach and and that's the trick is is figuring out what that is not to you but to everyone else and it's not easy you know, and, and it takes experimentation, right? You know, and we, we go through it all the time and fling. We play tunes that we're like, oh, man, this next one is going to blow you away. Or at least that's what we're thinking in our heads. And then we play it and we're really happy with it. And it's like, you know, that's it. It's like, son of, yeah. son of a gun. Isn't that the thing? And here we are, two guys who've been at this for a pretty long amount of time. Yeah. And we would still make those choices on certain songs because you're kind of looking for the magic song, right? You're looking for them in the yeah. cover situation. You're looking uh, for that song. Even in the song. original, it doesn't matter. Nobody else does. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. And you're looking sure. for that song, right? Nobody else does. And what have we said since episode one? This is all an exercise in proving ourselves right. That's right. <laughs> Right. Yes. I know I'm so smart and my taste in music is so good. I am going to perform this, this song for you 
that no one else has ever done. So A, aren't I so cool that I, I went deep into the archives and found the magic song. Yeah. B, isn't it so great that my band loves this song so much and it's going to bring it to life and you're just going to love it. Yeah, you're going to go that gaga. Is yeah. That is the creative tension between playing, you know, play that funky music all night long, which actually you could probably make a living at. Low hanging fruit, man. There's nothing wrong and, with it. And making this your art, you know, yeah. you know, finding stuff that 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 took a little while to put together the band had to work at and when you get one of those songs and when it goes over great and people appreciate that that's kind of the magic moment isn't it well that's the thing that blows me away is you know we'll have those tunes i mean we have them you know fling doesn't play uh, funky music yet but the guys listen to this show so now it's on the list i know and that's fine i've played it in a zillion other bands it's, it's easy um, and it's, it's low hanging fruit, right? But you know, there's the Mustang Sally's, there's the, you know, American girl, the, you know, all of that stuff that works really well, feeling all right, you know, whatever it is, everybody knows it, everybody likes it. But what blows me away is we pull out a tune like Steely Dan's Pretzel Logic. And because we play it so well, people go nuts over it. It's like, you don't know this song. Why do you like that? You know, it's I mean, it's just one of those things. You can't predict it, uh, but we've learned to predict it. Some in fling. I mean, you know, we've been doing it nine years and we've we we have more vanity songs than you do in any given set. Right. So mm-hmm. so we have the opportunity to to kind of learn these lessons, uh, perhaps a little faster than than the house rockers do. And and it's like we know when we take a song and drive it home, it doesn't matter if anyone in the crowd knows it before we start playing it and uh and it works out and and the the funny thing is fish tunes are the perfect tunes for fling and i've i've act we only have two of them i've only brought one of them in our, our bass player brought in a tune called sample in a jar which he thought was a little feet tune because they covered it and right. uh and he brought it in he's like i want to do this little feet tune called sample in a jar i'm like oh, i'm in you know <laughs> but you should probably know it's a fish tune but we can, you know, whatever. They did it pretty much the same way and it's fine. But people love it. And, and it, you know, and that and Pretzel Logic and these other tunes, they just work even though they shouldn't. You know, that like everything on paper says nobody in the crowd knows it or one person does, but they just work. And it's, you got to, like you said, you got to find what works for the band. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fun exercise. I mean, we're well, that's why share, we keep doing it. That's why we keep talking about it. Yeah. We have six tunes that are rising to the top now and we don't have any Prince in our, in our uh, repertoire. And so Prince has been on my list. Nick found an incredible Prince tune called DMSR. I don't know that one. Unbelievable grooves. You find it and put a link in the show notes because the groove is absolutely fantastic. And, and uh, I, I have to say every year I've been in such a good place with the house rockers for, you know, for, quite a while. Everything is joy to me right now. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm over the top excited about getting, rolling up my sleeves and getting into this new music. I'm over the top excited. We, we had another gig. We're not playing too much now. So there's a little bit of time between gigs. We had another club date last Saturday night that went just freaking bananas. Awesome. And, uh, and you remember the last one was after we hadn't played for a month and that went awesome. And so the band is in that good, communication, listening, emoting, you know, place right now. It's a lot of fun. 
but you know, maybe for a future, for a future conversation, when you're in a band, it's like family. You're on top of each other quite a bit. Yep. When it's great, it's great. When it's not great, it's insanely disappointing. And, and it hurts, you know, literally it hurts your heart when the, you know, these, this thing that is so important to you isn't going the way that you want it to go. So maybe we should do, maybe we should do a whole show on, on the heartache. To, yeah. Well, how to, how to get out of those funky times. I think yeah. that'd be useful. That would be useful. Yeah. 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 By the way, um, you know, now that we've kind of gotten through that, what, what's our topic for tonight, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I, I think, I think it'll, we should uh, get a bunch of YouTube videos of Dave on caffeine and, and have people comment on those things. Thank goodness. Many of those don't exist. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Yeah, no. Caffeine is crazy for me, man. I, I had um, I had a cup of coffee from our coffee maker. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And so you I have had, a coffee maker. Well, yeah, my wife drinks coffee and so do my kids occasionally. But uh, I, you know, I like the idea of coffee. It looks good. I don't mind the taste of it. You know, and so I had like a coffee, I don't know, one weekend morning or something. And uh, I came, I, I guess I had a rehearsal that day. Or I don't know, something. I was out doing stuff and I came back like eight hours after I'd had this coffee. And I'm it. still, I, I was in my bathroom doing whatever you do in the bathroom, looking out the window. And my backyard is like all woods. And I literally saw stuff moving around. It was like, wow, <laughs> this is like, like this stuff's not not good for me. I need to, you know, and I, I posted something on Facebook about it and people are like, yeah, that's the point. I'm like, no, you don't, you don't understand. <laughs> it's different for me. Yeah. Caffeine's yeah. not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve in my band is actually that way. He has no caffeine. Yeah. None. Yeah. And not, I haven't had caffeine in probably, I don't know. It, I, I would measure it in weeks. No chocolate. So chocolate doesn't have, <laughs> Chocolate doesn't have caffeine in it. It has theobromine in it, which is very similar to caffeine, but it doesn't have the same effect on me. No tea. So tea has theophylline in it. Very similar to caffeine, but not the same. I should have known. I should have known we were going to end up in a chemistry lesson. Yeah, but 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 to be fair, I don't have, quote unquote, caffeinated tea ever. I drink tea most days, but but it's either truly like straight herbal tea with, with nothing but like mint or whatever in it. Or I have tea with ginseng in it. And ginseng actually is, is quite helpful for me. It, it, it gives me focus without making me, you know, hate humanity, <laughs> which is, you know, I think a good thing. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 I don't like to hate humanity. I, it was years ago. My family first figured out the caffeine thing when they told me I was no longer allowed to have caffeine before attending children's sporting events. <laughs> I'll leave that to your imaginations. To mine, to mine, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, like I said, I just walked off a, a plane from uh, Las Vegas. And if you want to be that guy who hates humanity, Las Vegas is a good place to be. So I think, you know, maybe I'll, I'll meet you in Las Vegas for CES and ply you with caffeine and see where it takes us. <sighs> Better to use alcohol, man. It, it's not, <laughs> I mean, maybe, okay, maybe both. Maybe you pick the caffeine, I pick the alcohol, and we can mix them together, and it might be all right. Boom. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thanks so much, folks. Uh, Paul, thank you. And, and, and you know, we've got Thanksgiving in the U.S. here uh, this week, and I sincerely mean this. Paul, thank you for coming up with the idea for doing this show. I look forward to it every week. This week, actually, rehearsal pre, you know, uh, 
um, pre uh, rehearsal happening before recording aside. I've been looking forward to this for days. Um, thank you. This is great, man. Uh, and thanks to everybody who listens. Absolutely. Wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Dave, you're my bud. We'll do this again next week. We will. Yeah. And uh, if you have anything to add to the discussion, I don't know where that would fit in edgewise. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you've got something or you've got questions for us, please do send them to us. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com or uh, or find us on Facebook. It, it You know, we, we love to hear from you. We really, really do. And we do. Uh, happy Thanksgiving for uh, for all of you, whether you celebrate it or not. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.